Come in. I beg your pardon. I am Mrs. Stephen Haynes. Sorry, but I don't think I know you. I believe it's my husband you know. Oh. So Stephen's told you. No, he's never mentioned you. Miss Allen, here's the blue negligee sure you are. Stay out of here. But I've known about you for some time. That'll be news to Stephen. Personally, I'm glad you know. I've kept still because I knew it wouldn't take Stephen long to get fed up. Don't lay any bets on that, Mrs. Haynes. I'm not you. You've been seeing my daughter. That's what I've come in here to tell you. I won't have you coming near my daughter. Well, you don't have to get hysterical about her. What do I care about your daughter? I'm sick of hearing about her. You won't have to hear about her anymore. Because you and my husband aren't going on seeing each other. That's rather up to Stephen, don't you think? Completely. So you better start making other plans, Miss Allen. Listen. I'm taking my marching orders from Stephen. He seems to be satisfied with this arrangement. So don't force any issues unless you want to cause plenty of trouble. You've made it impossible for me to do anything else. You're very confident, aren't you? Yes. Because I know Stephen couldn't love a girl like you. Well, if he couldn't, he's an awfully good actor. Look, what have you got to kick about? You've got everything that matters. You've got the name, the position, the money. My husband's love happens to mean more to me than those things. Oh, can the sob stuff, Mrs. Haynes. You noble wives and mothers bore the brains out of me. I'll bet you bore your husband, too. You are a hard one, aren't you? Oh, I can be soft on the right occasion. Look, what, what did you expect me to do? Burst into tears and beg you to forgive me? Isn't that what you really came in here for, Mrs. Haynes? Not after seeing you. You're even more typical than I dared hope. Well, honey, that goes double. Now, look, get this. I'd break up your snug little roost if I could, but I don't stand a chance. Oh, don't think it's because your husband isn't crazy about me. It's because he's the kind that lets that old-fashioned sentiment put the Indian sign on him, and that's all. I'm glad you understand the strength of sentiment, Miss Allen, because its beauty is something you'll never know. This happens to be my room, Mrs. Haynes. It's yours, yes, for the time being, like everything else you've got. May I suggest if you're dressing to please Stephen? Not that one. He doesn't like such obvious effects. Thanks for the tip. But when anything I wear doesn't please Stephen, I take it off. So that's what she calls meeting Mrs. Haynes socially. Gee, I feel sorry for Mrs. Haynes. She's so nice. She should have kept her mouth shut. Now she's in the soup. Oh, Ellen's smart. She's fixed to so anything Mr. Haynes says is going to sound wrong. She'll get him sure. Look at that chassis. She's got him now. Oh, you can't trust any man. That's all they want. What else have we got to give? Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
Today is the 122nd birthday of George Cukor. He is responsible for almost all of my favorite classic films, Holiday, The Women, Gone with the Wind, The Philadelphia Story, Adam's Rib, Born Yesterday, It Should Happen to You, etc. His teaming with Catherine Hepburn, Cary Grant, Judy Holiday, Clark Gable, Jack Lemmon, and Joan Crawford made countless of hours of perfection. The world is a better place because he was in it and still feels the loss that he has left. Name, George D. Cukor. Occupation, Director. Birth Date, July 7, 1899. Death Date, January 24, 1983. Education, DeWitt Clinton High School. Place of Birth, New York, New York. Place of Death, Los Angeles, California. Remains, Buried, Forest Lawn Memorial Park Cemetery, Glendale, California. Oscar, for Best Director 1965 for My Fair Lady. Hollywood Walk of Fame, 6378 Hollywood Boulevard, Motion Pictures. Best known for, director George D. Cukor made films for 50 years. He was a dialogue director in the early days of films with sound, and received an Academy Award in 1964 for My Fair Lady. Born in New York City on July 7, 1899, George Dewey Cukor became one of the top film directors of the 20th century. He developed a love for the theater growing up, even resorting to skipping school to go see shows on Broadway. After graduating from DeWitt Clinton High School, Cukor went to work behind the scenes in the theater. He held numerous positions, including stage manager, before becoming a successful stage director. In 1926, Cukor directed a theatrical production of F. Scott Fitzgerald's The Great Gatsby. He also worked with Melvin Douglas in A Free Soul two years later. Also in 1928, Cukor directed Dorothy Gish and James Rennie in the comedy Young Love. Before long, Cukor was invited to Hollywood. His first major film project was working as a dialogue director on the 1930 war drama All Quiet on the Western Front. He landed a few co-directing jobs as well, including the royal family of Broadway with Cyril Gardner. George D. Cukor soon became a director on the rise, directing Tallulah Bankhead in her film debut, 1931's Tarnished Lady, and helping to discover Catherine Hepburn when he fought with the studio to cast her in 1932's A Bill of Divorcement with John Barrymore. The following year proved to be a time of professional prosperity, with a string of well-received films, he reunited with Catherine Hepburn for the adaptation of Louisa May Alcott's classic Little Women, his first major success, and with Jean Harlow in the High Society Comedy Dinner at 8. Continuing to work with some of film's top stars, Cukor directed the legendary Greta Garbo and Camille, 1936. He also worked with Hepburn and Cary Grant on Holiday, 1938, and on The Philadelphia Story, 1940 both sophisticated romantic comedies. Another classic Cukor film from this time was the dramatic comedy The Women, 1939, with Norma Shearer, Joan Crawford, and Rosalind Russell. Around this time, the director suffered a career setback after being fired from the epic Civil War drama Gone with the Wind. Cukor became known as a women's director, based on his ability to get great performances from so many leading female actresses. He hated this label, once telling the New York Times, I think it's stupid. If you work over my work, in every picture there's a man, and usually he did a pretty good job. He also showed himself to be more versatile than some gave him credit for. He did an excellent job creating suspense in the 1944 thriller Gaslight with Ingrid Bergman and Charles Boyer. That same year, his war drama Winged Victory hit the big screen. More impressive work soon followed. Cukor directed the Catherine Hepburn and Spencer Tracy classic Adam's Rib, 1949. Around this same time, he worked with Judy Holliday and William Holden on the film Born Yesterday. He then tackled the movie musical genre with 1954's A Star is Born, 
starring Judy Garland and James Mason. By the 1960s, George D. Cukor was making few films, but he still possessed tremendous talent. He won his one and only Academy Award for directing the musical My Fair Lady, 1964, starring Audrey Hepburn and Rex Harrison. On the small screen, he directed Catherine Hepburn and Laurence Olivier in the 1975 television movie Love Among the Ruins. He received an Emmy Award for his work on the project. Rich and Famous, 1981, proved to be Cukor's last film. Jacqueline Bissett and Candace Bergen star in this tale of a competitive friendship between two writers. Two years later, on January 24, 1983, George D. Cukor died in Los Angeles, California, at the age of 83. He was interred in an unmarked grave at the Forest Lawn Memorial Park Cemetery in Glendale, California. Records in probate court indicated his net worth at the time of his death was $2,377,720. Filmography as director. Rich and Famous, September 23, 1981 The Corn is Green, January 29, 1979 The Bluebird, April 5, 1976 Love Among the Ruins, March 6, 1975 Travels with My Aunt. December 17, 1972 Justine, August 6, 1969 My Fair Lady, October 21, 1964 The Chapman Report, October 5, 1962 Something's Got to Give, 1962 Let's Make Love, September 8, 1960 Heller in Pink Tights, February 29, 1960 Wild is the Wind, December 11, 1957 Lay Girls, October 3, 1957 Bowani Junction, May 1, 1956 A Star is Born, September 29, 1954 It Should Happen to You, January 15, 1954 The Actress, September 25, 1953 Pat and Mike, June 13, 1952 The Marrying Kind, 1952 The Model and the Marriage Broker, November 1951 Born Yesterday, December 26, 1950 A Life of Her Own, September 1, 1950 Adam's Rip, November 18, 1949 Edward, My Son, June 2, 1949 A Double Life, December 25, 1947 Winged Victory, December 20, 1944 Gaslight, May 4, 1944 Keeper of the Flame, Deck 1942 Her Cardboard Lover, June 1942 Two-Faced Woman, November 1941 A Woman's Face, May 15, 1941 The Philadelphia Story, December 1, 1940 Susan and God, June 7, 1940 The Women, September 1, 1939 Zaza, December 29, 1938 Holiday, June 15, 1938 Camille, December 12, 1936 Romeo and Juliet, August 20, 1936 Sylvia Scarlet, December 12, 1935 David Copperfield, January 8, 1935 Little Women, November 16, 1933 Dinner at 8, August 29, 1933 Are Betters, February 23, 1933 Rockaby, November 25, 1932 A Bill of Divorcement, September 30, 1932 What Price Hollywood? June 24, 1932 Girls About Town, November 7, 1931 Tarnished Lady, May 2, 1931 The Royal Family of Broadway, December 22, 1930 The Virtuous Sin, October 24, 1930. Our next presenter to give the award for the Director of the Year is not only one of the great all-time stars of the screen, but also the best-looking tycoon you'll ever see. Former Oscar winner Miss Joan Crawford.
Joe, after the ceremonies tonight, I hope you'll be able to drop by the house. Well, I'll certainly try, Bob. Why? Oh, good. I've got a garage full of empties. <laughs> Those nominated for the best achievement in director are Peter Glenville for Beckett, Stanley Kubrick for Dr. Strangelove or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb, Robert Stevenson for Mary Poppins, George Cukor for My Fair Lady, Michael Karkoyanis for Zorba the Greek, and the winner is Mr. George Cukor. material to work with. I dance, name all the people that helped. I want to thank Mr. Jack Warner who gave every support, every encouragement. Wonderful artist to work with. I must make a deep bow to Mr. Rex Harrison and to adorable Audrey Hepburn. I thank everybody. I thank you. a telegram I think you'd like to hear. It's to the members of the Academy. It says, I'm sorry that I'm not able to be with you tonight. I send my love to you all, Patricia Neal. <laughs> we wish you well. Now we come to the moment of truth, the best picture of the year. Right now, there are five anxious producers seated in our audience biting fingernails. Not theirs, their assistants. <laughs> to present the Best Picture Award is the man who two years ago plucked a mockingbird and came up with an Oscar, Mr. Gregory Peck. Nominations for the Best Picture of the Year are Dr. Strangelove, or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb, Hawk Films, Columbia, Stanley Kubrick. <laughs> Beckett, a Hal Wallace production, Paramount, Hal B. Wallace. My Fair Lady, Warner Brothers, Jack L. Warner. Zorba the Greek, a Rochely production, international classics, Michael Kakayanis. And Mary Poppins, Walt Disney production, Walt Disney and Bill Walt. The envelope, the best picture of the year is My Fair Lady, Jack and Warner.
I am indeed gratified to be here tonight to accept this high award. And I want to thank first the Academy and its members for making it possible. Secondly, and equally I would say, I want to thank Mr. George Bernard Shaw for writing Pygmalion, passing it into the hands of Alan Lerner, then to the great composer Frederick Lowell, then to George Kukar, the director, his able associates and assistants, Cecil Beaton, Gene Allen, George Hopkins, I can name them for on and on, but time is of the essence. And I don't want to be cut off here, I don't think. But I want to thank you very, very much, ladies and gentlemen, for presenting this for my fair lady. It's something we will always be proud of, and I speak for those in the back lot, the front lot, upstairs, downstairs, everywhere. I know they thank you, and I thank you for them. Thank you.